and welcome back to Out Loud with Kai, Elena, and Mia. And today we will discuss being back on campus, hookups and how to navigate them, balancing relationships with academics, and resources here on campus. Elena is unfortunately not joining us today, but she will be back soon and we are so excited for her to return. If you're a new listener here, Out Loud is run by Kai, Elena, and Mia. We're all students here at UW. Out Loud was established in 2021 in collaboration with Sex Out Loud and the Daily Cardinal. So me, hi, I'm Mia, and Kai. Hi, I'm Kai. <laughs> um, have been trained by medical professionals and have years of experience in sex education as educators and facilitators. The point of Out Loud is to really be knowledgeable on a variety of sexual health co- topics, destigmatize these topics for all genders, identities, orientations, etc., and really promote comprehensive. Um, education that's focused on pleasure and also just different topics that just may not be talked about often. And medical accuracy. Oh, absolutely. So a lot of the information we include, well, all of the information we include is heavily researched and um, used in medical professional settings or has been done through empirical studies, but we will make sure to note when our opinions are being stated um, instead. But yeah, we hope you had a sexy summer and you're ready to come back on campus. Um, School is in full swing, so happy homecoming week. We thought it would make sense to go over a couple of new things, um, such as navigating new relationships and life balance and things that may be applicable to starting your school year here on UW-Madison's campus. Yeah, so the first topic we're going to get into is how to navigate hooking up on a college campus. So a hookup sometimes is really unclear. We all have our different definitions, but it's important to kind of know what they mean to you personally. Um, But essentially, they're just engaging in any consensual, casual encounter. So sometimes that means sex, sometimes that does not mean sex. It kind of depends on on the person and, and the situation. So hookup culture encourages casual sex encounters without necessarily having a further commitment or emotional intimacy. Hookups are often common on college campuses, but it's important to note that not everyone is hooking up or interested in hooking up. Absolutely. And I kind of feel like there's this stigma sometimes with hookups. Like people really say that like hookup cultures bad or can be damaging, but I think that that goes back to like even like the first waves of feminism where they're saying that like sex has to have this emotional intimacy in this relationship right. which it can and can be really right. great when it does but it can also be really great when it doesn't and mm-hmm. hooking up is a lot about exploring what we like right um which is i think really important to distinguish because hooking up is for our pleasure and for what we want and shouldn't be judged uh, by other people yeah absolutely so yeah, if, if this is something that interests in, interests you, keep keep listening because this is how we have a couple of tips on how to have a good hookup. Because from personal experience, I have had great hookups and bad hookups. Like right. it really depends, you know. But um, what would you say the first most important thing in a hookup would be? So this is probably going to be a little obvious, but the first thing we're going to want is consent, of course. So here at the Daily Cardinal and at Sex Out Loud, we like to say that consent is a clearly given, freely given, informed, continuous yes, and not the absence of a no. So we'll break that down a little bit for you. So we want to make sure that when we're giving consent, it's clear. So it's understood by both parties or multiple parties, and there's no doubt there. Freely given means the absence of coercion. No one's being coerced to say yes or feeling pressured to say yes. 
It's also informed. So informed can mean a lot of things. It's just like essentially having an open line of communication with the people or person you're hooking up with. Um, this can be STI status, birth control methods that are being used, barrier methods that are being used. If we have other partners potentially, um, all of that good stuff is something to for sure know before engaging in a hookup with someone or multiple people. Um, continuous then is just a check-in system. So just because someone says yes in the beginning doesn't mean that they're consenting to every single thing that comes afterwards. People can change their mind, people can feel comfortable and then and then not feel so comfortable with a different action later. So it's just always important to check in with people and to get consent for all the activities that are happening in that session. Mm -hmm. um, not the absence of a no, meaning that we shouldn't assume yes if we're not being vocal or if there aren't um, body languages that are super clear, then we're just confirming and making sure we're checking in. Mm -hmm. We like to say use a stoplight system. So you can kind of check in to say like, yes, this is good. Like this is a green light. Yellow can be more you know, on the fence, like, I'm okay with this now, but maybe I'll want to stop soon. And then, of course, like a red light meaning stop now yeah. and having a check-in. Um, but people like to use this stoplight system. Um, the last one is just intentional. So essentially, it sums it all up. So everything that you're consenting to and informed about is intentional and you're intending to do so in that moment in time. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of times when we're engaging in hookup culture, it can be easy to, because a lot of times we may not know the person as well as someone else we may be um, engaging with. Like, that's a big part of hookup culture is right. kind of that um, excitement of someone new and all of these things. So uh, consent is particularly crucial here, but we also want to acknowledge that nonverbal consent is still a thing as mm -hmm. well as long as it's clear and also like very distinct yeah because i know that we may not all want to outright ask like do you consent right. to this we don't want to quote unquote kill the mood is something that i hear mm -hmm. i hear a lot and we don't need to kill the mood to have safe consensual sex right. we can say things like um does or like we good to you? yeah does this it, does this feel good to you that's one of my favorites because yeah. it's, it's it's also almost a check-in yeah, yeah. And, um, or did you like that move? Like, that's, I love when people ask for my opinion, right. <laughs> too. Or even explain that you're having fun in that situation. Yeah. Like, I really enjoy doing that. Like, yeah. I love eating you out. Like, that can be really sexy in the moment. And it can be a way to, like, continuously check in with someone. Absolutely. And I guess if anything is unclear ever, that's, like, your sign to check in. Because right. with nonverbal consent, like, certain body language and things, but we never want to assume. It right. should be something that's very clear. Like, if yeah. I am touching you in a certain way or doing something, in, uh, giving the indication that I am consenting, um, that's that's important to recognize. Because right. also turning my head away may indicate something different, you know? Right. So Yeah, and I think that can be something that's a little confusing, too, is that, like, maybe you're physically... And verbally saying, yes, like, this is what I want. I consent to this. But, like, maybe your body language changes or it mm -hmm. seems a little shut off or you're, like, kind of pushing away. And that, I think, could be something to recognize and say, like, hey, like, I know you're consenting to this, but, like, this is what I'm picking up with your yeah. body language. Like, I'm just making sure that this is okay with you and that you're not feeling uncomfortable. Like, that's completely valid. So just being, like, aware of body language as well as verbal cues. Absolutely. And um, with that being said, we know that consent can be withdrawn at any time. And I, I know you kind of brought this up, but yeah. it can we can keep it light and fun to kind of take that pressure off and hopefully make the experience more enjoyable. So making sure that us and whoever we're engaging with um, are both on the same page 
is really important. So, like, even with that being said, like, not necessarily expecting a relationship or expecting, like... It to happen again. It, yeah, or something specific to come out of it. A lot of times, like, it's important to be kind of emotionally prepared for hookup culture as well because... Yeah. Because, as I said before, often we don't know this person, and it can be easy to feel disappointed or have these feelings. So it's just important to be mindful of that when engaging engaging, and just realizing, like, is hookup culture right for me is a question Mm -hmm. that we should continuously ask ourselves. Because I've reevaluated multiple times, and at certain times in my life, hookup culture was great for me. And at the point of my life I'm at right now, hookup culture isn't it for me. And I've had to just check in with myself and... Checking in with our partners is just as important as checking in with ourselves, I think. And, yeah, I think going forward, too, like, maybe you are going to be hooking up with this mm-hmm. person more than one time. Yeah. Maybe you do it one time and you never do it again, and that's completely great. But if you are hooking up with someone more than once, or maybe it potentially turns into, like, a friend with benefits situation. Yeah. Like, we're always wanting to keep the line of communication open. Like, it can for sure be really scary to think about talking about these topics. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure our expectations are are not, you know, we're not setting ourselves up for disappointment later. So we're wanting to make sure that everyone's on the same page, especially if you're considering hooking up with someone more than one time. So everyone knows that like, you know, they're comfortable in the situation and they're still okay with what's happening and that they're not expecting a different, a different outcome. And I I think that kind of the final point we really want to drive home on like how to have a good hookup is really advocating for ourselves. Um, We're hooking up because it, feels good and we want to feel good and we want to experience something new potentially or something different and it can be hard especially if like we don't have the level of trust we may have with like a partner or consistent partner but it's really important that if we're if our intention is to feel good during a hookup we should make that known and communicate what we like um especially if it's a one-night stand you're we, we want to make sure that it's a good experience, you know, yeah, so it. it can be it can be easy, you yeah. know, even the kind of checking questions before like this feels really great for me or you can if, if we're not enjoying something like I know I framed it as like this feels good, but let's try let's try something new or mm-hmm. let's let's um, have you ever tried this before or, yeah. you know, like just kind of proposing rather than telling may be a little easier for some folks to to do and I think it it can be really hard to tell someone new what you Mm -hmm. like and what you don't like but I think that you can try to make it sexy and just like have fun in the moment and just making sure that you're doing stuff that you're comfortable with and that if you're ever uncomfortable that you can shut it down and Mm -hmm. and just you know be mindful of your own feelings and emotions while while engaging in in sex with that person yeah I think Something I want to say that helps with this, or at least something that I've learned, is if we're feeling uncomfortable about, like, directly saying it, like, there's tons of sex games, either online or sex card games, that are, like, 100 sexy questions to Mm -hmm. ask someone that can be really fun. One, to get to know the potential hookup partner we're, we're having, or just, like... To establish those things. Like, I played one the other week, and one of the questions was, like, a simple, like, do you like listening to music while you're mm-hmm. intimate? And I was like, that's a great question because it, it varies right, for so like many different people. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, understanding, like, playing, like, I don't know, going through 20 questions can, one, excite you and arouse us. Like, that can right. be super – and anticipating what's going to happen next can be super fun. But also knowing – vocalizing our feelings without feeling awkward yeah Yeah, like you're just like offering it up and yeah like yeah Yeah. something like that for sure can be fun in addition to like games too there are different websites where you can kind of like 
check off things that you're interested in doing and mm -hmm. then at the end like you both take it and then it will show you what you both said maybe and yes to oh that's so I know, cool like, yeah that tool can be cool especially if it's like a long-term hookup because maybe you're interested in like trying something new or you're interested in some sort of like kink play yeah that like you're nervous to to tell someone especially if like you're just hooking up with them on the side or like there may be a friend that you're just starting to hook up with like it can be hard to have those conversations mm -hmm. so like even something like that could be like a really good a really good way to figure out what you're both interested in and what you're both maybe interested in because maybe they're also nervous to tell you that they're interested in a certain kind of kink play so yeah, I hope everyone listening to this now feels a little bit more comfortable and or confident about maybe going to the bars, downloading Tinder, something like that, if, if you're comfortable. But also, there's no pressure. Not hooking up is great too. I'm not hooking up right now and it feels amazing. Um, yeah, sometimes our priorities are in different places. Yeah. Or sometimes hooking up is just not for us. And I think that's something we touched on a little bit in the beginning, but like I just want to mention it one more time. That honestly, people are not always hooking up. Like yeah. there are, I think there's just like weird, like I don't know, just like well-known thing that like college kids are hooking up like crazy. Yeah, and that, hook like, up FOMO. Right, like <laughs> everyone's real. hooking up. Like I'm going to a party and like all my friends are hooking up. All the people in my dorm are hooking up. Like I'm the only one not <laughs> hooking up, which like at the end of it is like a hundred percent not the case. Like there are so many people that aren't hooking up for a variety of reasons. There are so many reasons why someone might not want to be hooking up. And I think it's really valid to to not feel like you have to offer up that information freely, but just not participate in, like, hookup culture. I think that's totally valid. So, mm -hmm. yeah, just really wanting to mention that one more time before we move on to another conversation. Yeah. And now we can kind of transition into how different factors in our college life and experience can affect our sex drive. So... I know that there, there's a lot of different things. So this can range from medications to alcohol and drugs to mm -hmm. um, stress and anxiety. All of these things can really affect our sex drive. And I know that that can be an issue that comes up for folks because their sex drive may look very differently yeah. now and then may look very differently in six months right, or 100%. vice versa. So stress from... We essentially we we really want to focus on stress too because midterms are here and finals are coming. So stress from school, work, and life can either it can have two it can different have, it can right. have various effects on your on sex drive, but um, it can either make us have a, a lower sex drive and lower interest in engaging in sexual mm -hmm. activities, or really enhance it. It really is personal preference, but I think if we're aware of what our bodies are doing. Um, it can help us navigate it. So yeah, stress and anxiety are, among other things, are pretty heavy factors for our sex drive. And I think one, being patient with ourselves is really important yeah. because that's totally okay for these things to be affected and natural, honestly. Right. Um, and, and for it to change over time. Yeah. Like, like you said before, like one month you could be really into sex and then six months later, like it's n just not even on your to-do list. Yeah. And I, it fluctuates throughout your life and it's something that will always kind of fluctuate. Um, our interest levels and our own like mm -hmm. desire, like all of this is changing and it's super normal and it's always going to be influenced on whatever we're engaging with our, in our lives, like school and work. And as we transition through lives, especially big transitions, like, like coming to college for the first time mm -hmm. or, Coming back to college, maybe from spending a bunch of time in our hometowns, like, yeah. all of those things, even, like, our location and just, like, being in a new environment, like, all of that really can change our outlook on sex and, like, our own sex drive and just, like, how we're feeling about about that going forward. And I think it's okay to change. And change is, like, mm -hmm. uncomfortable sometimes, but I think just, like, listening to our bodies and kind of realizing 
when you're changing or when you're kind of feeling different about it and like it's okay to like kind of lean into that yeah so with this being said I think it's just it's just important to love ourselves as cliche as that is it really is because if you don't who's going to like (laughs) um but yeah um I know that a lot of folks listening may be interested in like new relationships and hookups and or what is better known as "quote unquote" cuffing season. Yes, cuffing <laughs> season is upon us. So yes, like, the actual definition is a period between autumn and winter when a single person is more likely to be seeking a relationship rather than just engaging in hookups. Yeah, so I really always thought this was more of like a social media trend. Yeah, and did not realize until talking with you right. <laughs> that. This goes far beyond just, like, a social thing that's going... Like, it's a phenomenon. Like, right, that's research. Like, biopsychosocial. Like, 100% there's a bunch of research on it, which I think is super interesting. I think, especially in Wisconsin, here on our campus, like, it does get very cold. We don't have a lot of sun up here. So, seasonal depression and, like, different emotions changing is especially relevant to us here mm-hmm. at UW-Madison. Um, and I think a lot of times too, like being at school and coming back to campus or being here for the first time, like we're already getting a lot of new relationships, whether that's romantic or platonic, Mm -hmm. like we're meeting roommates or dorm mates for the first time. We are starting new relationships with professors and our Mm -hmm. TAs and people in our dorm or meeting friends and organizations on campus or potentially a new job or, you know, maybe it is a romantic relationship or a hookup relationship that we're engaging in. So I feel like there are just a lot of new beginnings, especially when mm-hmm. the college year kind of just like starts. And especially if you're new um, or you're a first year student, like it's just kind of overwhelming at times to yeah. be meeting so many new people yeah. and to have all these new relationships start. But I think it's important to kind of like prioritize, of course, our sexual relationships, hookup relationships, especially as we continue this conversation, because, you know, it it's different and mm-hmm. we're having these for the first time. So I think it's just an interesting topic to dive further into. For sure. Maybe we'll have an episode about cuffing season because there's a lot of like empirical research that's done about the validity of this, why it happens, who is like most susceptible, like really interesting. So stay tuned if you're interested in hearing more. Yeah. But I think uh, what a lot of other people may be curious about too is balance yeah as specifically like balancing hookups or romantic culture overall intimacy even like friendships with academics any relationship or even work like life yeah we are all students and our life is very demanding I know like us too like we have a lot of experience being involved in a lot of different things and kind of a lot of college students are like we all have classes we have jobs we have like research Mm -hmm. stuff that we're involved in we have friends potential romantic partners, hookups, mm-hmm. and, like, of course, self-care. That's important to prioritize, too. Yeah. So we have so many things kind of, like, demanding our time, and it can be hard to manage. Yeah. And I think one way to do – I think, one, scheduling in time for yourself, yeah. and if – depending on what our goals are, like, mm-hmm. our, our schedule will look very differently. But if if hooking up is something that's on our priority list or something to do, like, just allocating time for different things that we want to do in addition to self-care because that's an important part of hookup culture as well, just, like, self-care for ourselves. Yes. Following an experience just because 
we're being vulnerable and we're caring for ourselves after something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is important. And I think like going off that too, like sex with others or just like mm-hmm. with ourselves whoever it's with or solo can just be really beneficial for mental health. Mm-hmm. There are so many studies out there um, that just, you know, show and, and show proof for the benefits that sex and orgasms too specifically have on our mental health. And I think it's important to think about that when we're engaging in hookups or we're potentially prioritizing that aspects of our lives. Cause it can feel like, you know, like, Oh my God, like, why am I, prioritizing this when I should be studying or I should be working or I could be doing more but like taking breaks and time for yourself whether that's like just through self-care or you know having a healthy sex life can be beneficial in the long run because sex has a lot of benefits it can minimize our stress levels it can make us feel better it it releases um, hormones in our body that make us happy Um, and like the results are I think you know speak for themselves and maybe this is another thing we can get into on another episode but but I think it's really important to put value on self-care mm-hmm. and sex and masturbation, too. Like, yeah. like, all of that stuff is beneficial in its own way and can be equally prioritized, especially, you know, as a college student. I think we, you know, tend to feel guilty when we're engaging in For sure. sexual relationships or masturbation or, you know, taking time out of our study time to, yeah. like, watch TV or read a book yeah. or, like, but it's, ju- it's so important. Or taking a nap even. Yeah. Like literally, like all of these things are really good and it's all about balance and it can be really hard to balance things, especially, you know, as a college student, we mm-hmm. all, like I said, like our course loads are hard. Like our, our priorities yeah. are hard. And it. so I think it's just like not feeling guilty about taking the time that you need to practice self-care or to engage, you know, in, in sex and hookup culture and, and even just like, hanging out with our friends, like mm-hmm. going to parties, like having those college experiences are also very important. And I think yeah. just like not feeling guilty about prioritizing things that aren't school while being, you know, maintaining a healthy relationship with, you know, your academics. And I, I think that just goes into the rule of thumb being that if something is genuinely good for us, not like a facade of what we think is good for us, but if something is good for us, then we can acknowledge that without feeling guilty about engaging in it so like if going to and this this relates to not only just sex but like if going to the bar once a week to catch up with a friend or something Mm -hmm. is something that really helps your your mental health because joining this person is something that's like really important to you or whatever like it it looks so different for different people is what, what I'm trying to say like it's it's really depends but specifically for orgasms they and I know I know you touched on this, but like I think people forget that like scientifically orgasms and biologically mm-hmm. have direct impacts yeah. to like our energy, yes. our <laughs> our mood, our dopamine, everything. Uh, this mm-hmm. is because just orgasms release hormones mm-hmm. um, in our body, which make us feel different things and have different effects to the receptors in our brain. But I think like orgasms can be. Motivators. Motivators, yes. And it, it feels weird to, like, hear it in that context. But, like, in this – take what you want from this. But orgasms generally make us feel better, make us feel relaxed. So, like, sometimes orgasms, although they're not necessarily the end goal of sex or anything mm-hmm. like that, and we've talked about that before, but, like, orgasms in general 
do have positive effects. So yeah. like for they may just be what you need to like really crank out that studying time. No, literally, <laughs> like I know from personal experience and different people who have um used orgasms as like a motivational tactic for schoolwork, kind of like the Pomodori method, like <laughs> which is super interesting. So it's like, okay, I'll work for X amount of time mm-hmm. and then I'll masturbate or orgasm or have sex with someone or do, do mm-hmm. something that'll give me physical pleasure. And I'll get back to it. And if I complete the next task, it's kind of like crossing things off, but like giving that. And that's reward systems are super, super impactful in our brains. So like using this reward system and specifically, which already has positive health benefits, Mm -hmm. like it's like a double whammy. So and like we said, it like it decreases stress. Yeah. It can make us feel more focused. So like we really can just like clear our minds and, and kind of be ready to take on whatever task we're moving into next. Yeah, so essentially me and Kai are saying that, like, if you want to ace finals, just orgasm a lot if you can. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, So as we conclude this episode, we're going to talk about a variety of resources on campus that are available for you to use. Um, If you're a returning listener or have uh, are well connected with campus resources, feel free to skip the rest of this podcast and we will see you next time. Um, But... Uh, We will just give some UW resources that are great on campus regarding gender, sex, sexual health, and survivor services. Um, Though we do have various services here on campus, by no means is it comprehensive or enough, but you can always feel free to reach out to us or anything um, if you have more questions about uh, specific resources. And there is a content warning because we will be discussing resources regarding sexual assault, so... um, Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, yeah. So our first one we're going to jump into is Sex Out Loud. So Sex Out Loud is one of the collaborators um, to this podcast, actually. Um, Mia currently works at Sex Out Loud. I previously worked at Sex Out Loud. Um, and Sex Out Loud is UW-Madison's peer-to-peer sexual health resource. Their mission is to promote healthy sexuality through sex-positive education and activism And they like to acknowledge that each individual's sexuality is uniquely shaped and that all facets of identity and experience kind of play a role in creating that individual um, identity and and sexuality. And they create safe spaces on campus and they have fun events regarding sex and sexual health. And they also have an office in the SAC. So it's at 333 East Campus Mall. They offer a variety of condoms, lubes, sex dams, other sexual health resources and supplies. And they have just tons of great resources in their office. They have a library, a lot of great staff members that are there to answer any questions people may have um, regarding sex and pleasure. Mm-hmm. And and then there's also promoting uh, awareness and victim empowerment, also known as PAVE. Uh, PAVE is actually located in the office directly next to ours in the Student Activity Center, which is super cool. So you can kind of get a couple resources in one spot. Um, but... They are a student organization dedicated to preventing sexual assault, dating violence, and stalking through education and activism. Their program functions similarly to Sex Out Louds, where they have programs, volunteers, they have um, informational events and collaborations. Um, Their vision is really um, to create this and foster this campus community that practices healthy sexuality Um, expects and offers respect and celebrates pleasure so enthusiastically that it's incompatible with violence. So uh, they're a unique organization as well that can be utilized at all times. Yeah. Um, Moving on to our next one. It's not actually a service on campus, but it's super close to our campus in Madison. 
um, the Domestic Abuse Intervention Services, they actually have a 24-7 helpline. It's 608-251-4445. And if you or a loved one ever feels abused, threatened, scared, or unsafe in an intimate partner relationship, they can help you. Yeah, and um, the next resource we have in Dane County is the RCC or the Rape Crisis Center. Um, they also have a 24-7 helpline at 608-251-7273. They also have a Spanish helpline at 608-258-2567. And Kai currently works at the Rape Crisis Center, and I um, am starting uh, their volunteer program, actually. So uh, it's a really great organization as well, and they are a sexual violence research center that advocates for those harmed by sexual violence um, by centering survivors, promoting societal change, and committing to be an evolving force for social equity. Uh, so they have a lot of services, and some of those include the 24-hour crisis line in both Spanish and English, which I mentioned earlier, short-term counseling, support groups, uh, medical and legal advocacy, and accompaniment during police interviews and forensics exams, etc. Because as we all know, the um, justice system working with sexual assault um, survivors can be really difficult, so the RCC really makes it a priority to advocate for these people, and um, uh, bilingual advocates are also available, so it serves anyone over the age of 12, so it's really um, a great resource that we're lucky to have in Dane County. Yeah, um, the next one that we have is the Sexual Misconduct Resource Response Program that is at UW. It was formerly the Title IX program at UW. And they receive reports of sexual harassment and sexual violence and coordinate the university's response. Um, so this is a resource for students. Um, I believe they also have resources for staff and faculty. And they have many resources and options for reporting and just kind of like what next steps are. They can really help navigate the situation as it can be, you know, really overwhelming for a lot of people. Um, they offer confidential support, health and supportive services, academic and housing support, financial aid. Um, ensure that you're maintaining safety, um, your own safety, and of course, legal support for students as well. Um, and then one quick note that we'd like to add, if you are choosing to report a sexual assault to a professor or a TA on campus, they do have to report it. Um, there are a couple other different types of positions that are mandated reporters here on campus. So we're just wanting to make sure people are aware that if we're talking to someone and we're feeling like we're, you know, um, going to disclose that we were sexually assaulted or someone that you know was sexually assaulted, um, some people are mandated to report this. So if you're ever unsure if someone is a mandated reporter, you can always ask. Um, and it's just something to think about. And there are, of course, too, a lot of resources on campus that do not have mandated reporters and you can remain anonymous, such as the one we're going to get into next. Yes. And I do want to say that um, when um for clarification on who they're reporting to, it is to the university um, and not necessarily law enforcement, just which is a, a distinction that um, some folks may not know. But um, they will begin some form of investigation or asking uh, questions. So if speaking about that to the university is not something you're interested in, um, that's just something to know. But yeah, the um, <clears throat> UHS Survivor Services runs a little differently um, than potentially reporting to a professor or a TA um, because it provides free confidential support services to UW student survivors of sexual assault, dating violence, domestic violence, sexual harassment, sexual exploitation, and or stalking. Um, they have survivor service groups. Um, 
through like group counseling. Uh, their providers and staff can provide emotional support, <clears throat> assistance with requesting academic housing, academic and housing account accommodations, information about reporting and options, and help with most what's most helpful to the individual student's needs. Um, another thing with UHS is uh, for survivors, there there is this discrepancy of how many. Um, counseling sessions one student is able to have access to, but if uh, folks are survivors of sexual assault or any form of sexual violence, they actually have unlimited um, counseling appointments, which is just an important with uh, their trauma therapists and people like that. So that's uh, something great about UHS uh, services. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then <clears throat> moving on, a another UHS service. So in addition to the services mentioned above, they also provide medical services for survivors. So they can review risk of pregnancy, STIs, physical injuries to the student, um, and they also can schedule on-site forensic nurse exams. Um, students can also call to speak to the nurse about any of their options immediately following sexual assault um, at calling 608-852-9533 during UHS open hours, which are Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m., and again, you can remain anonymous. If you do need these services after hours, before hours, or during the weekend, there's another hospital near, near campus right here in Madison called Meritor. It's on Park Street, and it also provides all of these services that we just discussed. So they offer evidence collection, medical care, toxicology screens, STI testing, treatment, prep, emergency contraception, injury treatment through the forensic nurse examiner program. There are no appointments needed for this. You can also go during UHS business hours. Um, it is located in their emergency room, so it is open 24-7, and you don't need to report to law enforcement to use this service, though they will help you navigate that if you choose to. Their number is 608-417-5916. And then, in addition to all of these great resources, we also have Planned Parenthood and a couple of extensions of Planned Parenthood and student organizations on campus as well. So there's PPWI um, and a couple other organizations, but Planned Parenthood as the general umbrella provides vital reproductive health care, especially in this current political climate. They have really great resources. Um, they have sex education and information to people really worldwide. Um, there are two locations in Madison, one on the south side and one on the east side. Um, so you can always feel free to check their website for services they can offer that may differ from office to offer, office to office. And they can also assist with birth control, HIV services, emergency contraception, um, pregnancy and testing services, um, and then obviously abortion-related uh, um, necessities are no longer being offered in Wisconsin, um, and we'll probably talk about this in another episode, but there are options for folks who are interested, and uh, yeah, they do work with people, though, who are looking to seek those resources, so that is important. Um, but yeah, they have STI services as well in testing, um, uh, trans hormone therapy, among a million other things. Uh, the only uh, thing that we want to mention is that the east side location specifically um, has a building right across from it called the Women's Care Center, which um, has marketing kind of similar to Planned Parenthood. However, the caveat is that that is actually a pro-life center with little accurate medical services and information and often kind of intentionally trap folks into going there thinking that it's an abortion service clinic. 
Um, but they're not, so just please be wary of that on the east side uh, because they do sometimes, like, I don't want to say grab students, but they, they, they do. They essentially, like, they, they attract people based on their marketing, but uh, just so you know what their um, stances are is important. But, yeah. Yeah, and the next one is Vibant Health. So they do have a location in Madison. Um, they have locations in other places as well, um, but we do have one here. It's a little further from campus, but it's for sure accessible through the bike, through biking or even our buses. Um, they're committed to being a respectful, caring partners, partner um, to anyone affected by HIV through their comprehensive and integrated prevention and care and treatment programs. Um, that is their main focus, but they do also offer a variety of testings, um, testing services for HIV and STIs. Um, they also offer PrEP, and they also have at-home tests. So mm. in addition to their care and prevention services in their office, you can request take-home tests, which I think can be, like, really life-changing for a lot yeah. of students who maybe <clears throat> just don't want to stay in a clinical setting and get tested. Maybe, you know, they want to be more private, and this is a really great option for people um, to test at home if they're just not interested in going into, you know, a clinical office. Yeah. And the last resource, again, this is not a full list, but the last resource that we thought uh, we should highlight today is ROSA, which is um, part of the UW Law School, and it stands for the Restraining Order and Survivor Advocacy um, Group, and it's essentially a clinic that provides direct legal services for free to uh, survivors of intimate partner violence and or crime in Dane County, Jefferson County, and a couple other uh, counties in Madison. But um, it's essentially law students that are assisting uh, these survivors um, through restraining order petitions, providing direct representation at injunction hearings, or restraint, which are also known as restraining order hearings, um, providing relevant resources under the supervision of experienced clinical faculty. And it's just really great because it's free, and I don't think a lot of people know about it, but it's definitely something that's really used, it, sh it should be used more often because Stalking is very prevalent on this campus. Sexual assaults are going up. Um, intimate partner violence has gone up a lot since COVID. So mm -hmm. this is definitely a resource that uh, we encourage all of you to use if applicable. Yeah, I think that really covers yeah. all of the resources that we have. And of course, always feel free to reach out to us. We're thinking about getting an Instagram or something soon, maybe. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep you all posted and... Yeah. Uh, we'll be posting next week for Halloween. Yeah, I'm really excited about that episode, so stay tuned. In this episode, we talked about being back on campus, hookup culture, life balance, and resources on or near campus. Join us next time. Bye! Bye.